Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 43 of season two of This Osteopathic Life. Once again, I've had this pattern of double conversation episodes coming out before I came back to recording an individual episode. And such is the season. And what I've noticed too is that when the words are ready, they emerge. And I think of you and consider what I'm going to say in these episodes. And I've learned to trust over what is now nearly two years that when the words come to fruition, I sit down, I record, and I share. And so here it is today. And we are on the 16th of January, 2021. And it has been, you could say a strange time, although strange now has become the norm. And I think about that just with the seasons. So I'm currently in Northwest Michigan. And normally, it's quite cold this time of year, relatively speaking. In the 20s, there's usually a lot of snow on the ground. There's usually a lot of snow falling. And none of those are presently true. It's been nearly 40 degrees. Most snow has melted. It rained most of the day yesterday. There were some snowflakes today, but again, more in that slush realm. And I found myself saying, you know, oh, if only it were five degrees colder, right? This would be snow. And I bought different pairs of skis this year. My children are trying downhill skiing for the first time, and we could have all the snow fun. I also was saying, this isn't normal, right? This isn't typical. This isn't usual. And then I stopped and thought, why am I saying this? And what does normal and typical even mean? And certainly we can look at history, right? We can look at past weather and climate patterns, but we know, right? None of that is consistent. And what that tells us is we can reference the past, right? It can give us foundational information, right? It can tell us where we have been, but it does not tell us where we're going. And that's something that is so important because we can get caught up in it, right? And I was doing it yesterday in the last few days saying, oh, right, this is how it should be because it has been. And I bought these skis because I anticipated the snow would be here. But there only is what there is right now. And framing it through a lens of how it should be Guess what that leads to? A whole lot of frustration and disappointment and feeling like you're limited because if your way to enjoy the winter season is with cold temperatures and with snow, when it's not there, it can become unenjoyable because you've made that direct and infallible association to say I have fun in the winter because it's cold and snowy and I do X, Y, and Z. And so when it's not, it seems like fun is no longer available. And it's totally okay. 
to love, right? Snowy winters and ski sports that go along with it. Totally okay. And to even love it when it's not available to you. But there's a difference between loving it and perhaps appreciating it if that word resonates more significantly and saying, well, this is what is here now. And so how can I find enjoyment within this? And how can I notice that I'm no longer defined by the past? And there can be some insecurity around that. There can be this sense of, well, that's what I knew and it worked for me. And I don't want it to be any different, right? That was good. I was good with that. And wondering, well, what now, right? And also some of the anxiety around, well, if it's like this today, what's tomorrow going to be? You know, what if the snow does come back and I put away all my stuff? And instead, we again can reflect on the past. We can appreciate what has come before. We can notice what was helpful what was part of our success and enjoyment. And we can be just where we are now and let that be enough. Let it be fun. Let it be adequate. Whatever barrier, whatever bar we want to set, we have the choice in the moment to do that. And so we've been able to still be outside. Interestingly, I've been doing my workouts mostly in the garage, which is still a relatively cold space, but generally warmer than the outside. Although with some of the sun, and winter sun is one of my most favorite suns, having a difficult relationship with the sun from the standpoint of being prone to sunburn, I love the winter sun's subtleties and its gentleness. And it does make the outside warmer when the sun is out. And so I've actually moved many of my workouts into the backyard or into the driveway. So I got to be in open air and I wasn't expecting that to happen in January in Northwest Michigan. And so it allows there to be fun and enjoyment in whatever setting, because it's no longer tying me to what it was before. And like you've heard, this isn't a perfect process. It isn't, oh good, I'm never going to think about the past again and everything that happened before, just whatever, it's fine, it's over, I don't need that. No, right? I told you just yesterday, I was thinking about how it has been and if we just made these few adjustments, it would bring us back to what it would normally be like in winter. But the thing is, I notice it now. And I notice when I'm doing that. And I don't have to stop, right? I can still be kind of sad, right? Be kind of sad about having indulged in these skis to honor my upcoming birthday and to embrace winter, right? That was my phrasing. This was to embrace winter. And I had a good run, right? There was about 10 days in a row and I got to ski every day and begin to build some skills very slowly, I'll tell you, but build some skills toward skate skiing, which was a fun new adventure. And, right, I can allow that space to feel a little bit of sadness and loss around it and figure out what I can do to appreciate the now. That's the difference. It's not the undoing of it. It's not the never having frustration or disappointment because there are expectations, but seeing it and knowing why it's happening is an amazing space to be. Let me talk to you about this in another way that it's come up really interestingly. So what if you are in this space and things are 
going swimmingly, where everything is meeting or exceeding your expectations. That might happen sometimes with, say, success professionally, perhaps, right? You have a new experience, you've gotten a promotion, you've gotten a new job, and you think, this is it, right? Everything is going amazing. This is everything I've ever wanted. And then you hang up the phone, right? You get out of the meeting, close that Zoom window on your computer, and you open your email, because let's face it, that's what most of us do. That's the pattern, right? You finish one thing, you move on to the next. And you get a notice that seems to counteract all the good that was just painted. And I'll give you a very specific example from my own week. I'm teaching a class virtually for a medical school, and it's been great. It began because of the pandemic, right? Making a rotation virtual. We've seen, right, the needs of different ways of learning all across the board. That includes in medical school because certain clinical spaces, right, in-person clinical medicine was prohibited for medical students in different ways because of the PPE preservation and unknowns around COVID. And so the creation of this by one of my brilliant colleagues really moved in and filled a gap, right? It created a space for students to continue clinical learning when a lot of these variables, a lot of the ways of doing things, right, based on past, you see that coming through, all of a sudden were cut off. And in the beginning, like most things, it was all hands on deck and it was amazing to even have this resource and we were doing it. We were running this class and as time went on and as I reflected on it, again, filtering, you can see here, there's still merits in that through the past experience of clinical rotations thinking, well, there's in-person components, right? And we know we can't provide necessarily the direct in-person patient to physician or patient to physician doctor or student physician learning but we could still have some in-person interaction virtually, right, via Zoom, where we communicate live time and we talk about issues and we go over cases and we try to replicate more of that rotational experience. And so in the new year, we added on this component of live time. And I love it, right? And thus far, the feedback from the students is appreciation for it. And it's not without challenges, because again here, right, notice the recurring theme, because historically it was all assignment-based, meaning you didn't appear live for any of the time and you turned in assignments you know, via a virtual platform. The addition of live time, which to me was very beneficial, right? it was a compliment, it was the ability to communicate with the physician leader of the course and to put more meaning behind it, to build connection and community with the students who are on rotation together, it also added another level of responsibility and requirement that hadn't been present before. And right, that's a difference in expectation, right? So the expectation was, I don't have to show up to any live time. And then the expectation now shifts, right? And there's live time required. There can actually be, right, the sense of disappointment or frustration around it or simply the mismatch, right? Because when you're expecting one thing and you're given another, it can feel unnerving, unsettling, frustrating, disappointing, all of those words, right? And so I'm getting to the conclusion of one of the sessions. And again, loving it, great communication, excellent feedback, we're having a good time. And I did, as I just described, close that window from the meeting, open the email, and a student who was going to take the course decided not to because of the live time. And you could imagine all the thoughts you might have had, all the thoughts I had. 
and immediately screened through all of them, right? I thought, this is amazing. Like, why wouldn't someone want to take this? And this is amazing. You know, I should encourage them. And I thought, well, I could see, right, where if you thought there were no live requirements and then they were added, that could be frustrating. And is this the wrong thing? You know, so you can see all the different ways that your brain will process what just happened. And so what I did was I reflected on what had gone well before. Why was it a helpful rotation? Number one, it filled a gap, right? Number two, it could be completed on your own time, which with all the chaos around COVID was actually quite relieving, right? Because as people were figuring out where to go, you know, literally geographically, like students were displaced from spaces and they had to figure that out for those who might've gotten sick or exposed and had to be home, you know, provided those resources. And you might think, well, what am I going to gain from adding on this time? And also there are other requirements. And so when you think you have all the time available to you to schedule, you may have scheduled something during that time. And realizing the need for clearer communication, right, for flexibility, to understand that my intention behind it might not match the impact. And you'll know from listening to episodes, that comes up a lot. It's a thing, right? It's a thing in humanity, that pairing, that mismatch potential between intent and impact and the willingness to see it and the willingness to make adjustments accordingly. And I noticed, okay, even though for me, it has been a fantastic addition because it brings it back to that space around what it's like to work with students. And what I liken it to is that lunch hour time. So if you're on a rotation with an attending physician, and I think back to my own time, right, as the trainee in that space, you learn so much from the patient encounters and the procedures and the surgeries, but you learn so much more in the time between, right? In those casual conversations while you're waiting for the patient to get roomed, in those brief moments when you're scrubbing in to a case together, in the time after when you're walking through the hallway and going to complete the notes and reflecting on what happened, and in those lunch times, in the end of clinic moments, when you say, what came up for you today? What would you like to talk about? And you also get to say, how are you? What's happening in your life? How can I support you? What about the process of learning in medicine would you like to know more about? And that doesn't mean another diagnosis or medication or procedure. It means the experience, right? What it means to survive and thrive as a physician. What it means to go through the process of putting yourself out there and applying for residencies and not knowing where your next job will be and that that job is the one that determines where you're headed for the rest of your life. And asterisk here, there's always room to change. But it is a monumental moment right, in the medical education process. And the loss of that in so many spaces is so profound that cultivating this time I realize is really the piece that I was seeking and seeking to offer. And the students who've been participating thus far are noticing that. They get to hear from one another and share their own experience. They get to have feedback from one another, which is so powerful, both to give and to receive. It's a skill that is worth honing. And they get to have time with physicians who have been through the experience, although not in the way they have. This is an unusual, right? It's unprecedented how many of us are exhausted of that word. Time, the way interviews are being handled, totally different this year. And they're being asked to just go with it. 
right? And they are, all credits to them. And if I can create any inkling, ounce, glimmer of support for that through this process, all the better. And if it can support their understanding of the osteopathic concept and the way they can carry that forward with them onto their future training and practice, all the better too. And I can also 100% appreciate the concern that arises because medical students on the whole want to show up and do well. And if it seems there's this lifetime and if they can't come because of schedule conflicts or they just simply weren't expecting it and had a whole other vision for this time, I can totally see that. And so what it led me to do was to notice all the ways I was thinking and feeling about it, to contact that student who had decided to shift her timing of it and to let her know the availability and welcome her at any time. And there was a beautiful exchange there. And kudos to all in that space who do recognize their boundaries in the way to align something to best work for them. That is maturity and thoughtfulness and a skill that will serve all well moving forward. So I was so impressed with that conversation. It also led me to clarify within the specifics of the program and the syllabus what the actual expectation was. Because I read it again, and it might seem right that there was a significant implication that could be impossible to meet, right? especially in the season of residency interviews. And so what I noticed was right how past experience was informing all of us and not informing all of us in the same way. Because let me tell you, many who grew up in Michigan don't live here anymore, likely because of the cold and snowy winters. Right? So while for me, it might be a loss, it may be a gain for some who are fed up or those who still live here and wish right, it weren't so cold and so snowy for so long. And so the impact right, can be different for all of us when we reflect on past experience. But all of us do have the opportunity to be here in the now and notice what it is we can optimize, what it is we can do to find enjoyment and pleasure. And that's not the only reason right, to do anything, but that is the human drive right, to avoid pain, to find pleasure. And we could talk about the stoic approach to that. Another one of my favorite daily practices is the daily stoic and that was actually the concept today was to not be driven by those, right? But it's stay the course of your own values and not to be driven by habit, right? When habit, we could think about that as past expectation, but to move forward, right? From that place of merit and purpose. And when we put it through that lens, so let's bring it forward because here it is, is what is the purpose, right? So the purpose of those winter sports was to enjoy the winter season, And if the goal remains enjoyment of the winter season, there are all kinds of ways to do that, right? And it can be to be outside with different attire if it's rainy rather than snowy. And again, to appreciate those days when I can do the workouts outside and that I don't have to wear so many layers or have my face kind of freeze up (laughs) when I'm out on a run. So remembering again, the purpose wasn't even to ski. The purpose was enjoyment of the winter season or to be active in the winter season outdoors, It's remembering those core purposes in that we often put details with it, but the details are just, again, a piece. They're not the everything. And with the purpose of this course, right, is to promote osteopathic principles, to teach osteopathic manipulative treatment, and to provide clinical rotation experience for senior medical students in this time when they are not directly available in, again, the historical format. 
And so I can look at the purpose and hold on to that and to notice that absolutely there's augmentation and enhancement available through the addition of live time and that for some that may not have been what they were seeking and to find a way to hear both. We can't always meet all needs, right? And if your goal was this winter to be a competitive skate skier, absolutely. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay. And we can also right, find an alternative. So as we look at this, and as we look at this sense of unmet expectations, how we are informed by the past and how that may support us and may actually be a detractor as we move forward. I also want to talk for a moment about the idea of having the good and the bad. And while I hesitate to use those words because it tells us right that there's good and bad experiences, good and bad thoughts, good and bad feelings, good and bad people, right? good and bad ways of being, and that I would challenge, but it's the current construct that we have. Right? We can automatically think of right good and bad. We have ideas that pop up for that. We have a whole cohort of feelings that we put in the good bucket and in the bad bucket and thoughts right? that we would automatically classify into one, or two, one of those two columns. And so we're just going to go with it for now for the sake of understanding this concept. And have you ever been in the space? And for me, it would have been that moment, right? When you think, this is amazing, right? It's everything I wanted it to be, right? Finishing that class that day, thinking, yes, we're connecting, we're teaching in this new way, this is it. And I didn't even have the chance to think about it. (laughs) But it was likely there in the subconscious of, this is too good to be true, right? This can't last. And the, the shoe dropped as I opened the email and it said, withdraw. And here's the thing. That good moment was never going to last forever. We can also say there was just that good moment and it lasted in its forever of its moment, right? Of that experience, that elation. And even to have it for that moment is enough, right? To be bolstered by that and to say, yes, right? That one hour, even if that was it, was fantastic. I appreciate it. They appreciate it. We all gained something. I'm seeing the way that I meant to teach come to fruition. I'm able to listen and tailor it to their needs. We could have that moment, and that moment could be enough, whether it's one hour, one minute, a day, a week, any of that. And there was always going to be a counterpart to it. There's always going to be that next step that wasn't fantastic. And you might think, well, that stinks, right? I don't, I don't like that situation. But the good news in there is the flip side that that moment right of reading the email of the withdrawal there is a time i would have made that mean all kinds of things and just wanted to throw the whole thing out right think well that was it you know i'm glad i had that good moment but look at this feedback you know nobody wants to do this course and have you ever had that experience where you're willing not even just willing but just you get drawn in right to throw it all away, all the amazingness away for this one disappointing moment. And so just as that amazingness wasn't going to last forever, that downslope also wasn't. And to be able to see that and know that makes it so much easier to navigate between them. Again, it doesn't take away either. 
because they were real. In that moment, did that thought did come in like, well, good run, right? Peace out. We're done. It was there, but it was even briefer, right? Because I knew that the down feeling from getting this email, which we could say is a rejection, right? And that is oftentimes what we're faced with is this sense of rejection and how personal we make it and take it. And instead be able to say, look, I get to have this amazing moment. And then I get to have this down moment. And guess what? They're going to cycle through again and again and again. And so what it means is I can fully appreciate that elation moment still, right? So I might think that's over, but no, right? It happened. And it doesn't get canceled out by any of the other things. It still is there. It, it is, right? And it happened in the past, yes, if we're looking at the construct of time as we know it in the linear fashion. And it doesn't get undone, right, by the disappointing moment. And similarly, the disappointing moment happened. And it happened, right? And it's in the past. And I can choose how often I want to draw upon either of those, right? You get that privilege, right, to be selective in how you associate with those past engagements and memories and feelings. And here's the other thing. When you're in, right, when you're in the midst of that good moment, you can just be in it and not be wondering. Because have you ever been there thinking too good to be true? I wonder when that shoe's going to drop, right? Like I said, I didn't even have that chance <laughs> because it was immediately following. But if you have been in that and you could think about those most wonderful, iconic moments in your lives, a wedding, the birth of a child, a graduation, like all those classic moments when we think this is amazing. Oh my gosh, something terrible is going to happen, right? Brains do that. You're not alone. That's not even a problem. Nothing has gone wrong. It's just what happens. And instead, you're free to be fully in that moment with all the joy and elation. And you're also free to have those other feelings, some anxiety, some concern, some fear in there, and they don't have to take it all over. And let me talk you through this comparison. I have two ways I like to think about this. One is if you've had experience with the analogy of having a jar, if that jar were first filled with water, you know, it'd be hard to fill up. The space would already be consumed. And maybe even sand is a better visual, right? There's already the jar full of sand. It's hard to put a bunch of rocks in there. And but if you dumped out the sand into, let's say, a bowl, we'll be strategic about this, and you put the rocks in first, you could fit most or even you know, all, majority of the sand around it. And if we take that a step further, we could even put water in, right? So it seems like it's full, but then there's space for water. What I like to notice in this space is that if we think about the sand as the negative emotions, and we're, again, we're just agreeing to think of them this way, which might be frustration, anger, even sadness. Some of us think, right, we don't really want to feel sad. If we fill it up first with that, there's not a whole lot of room for the good ones, like joy, proud, accomplished, all of those type of feelings. But if we switch it and we put the good ones in first, there's room for the bad ones in there and they don't take away from it. There's space within joy, for fear, or for some sadness even, right? And if you approach it that way, if you're able to embrace those good moments, those good feelings, you can also feel 
more secure, more open, more able to welcome in the negative ones. And also notice, again, this is where we get to fall away from the act of even classifying them as positive or negative or good or bad. And just say, oh, there's space for all the feelings here. And when I'm coming from that foundation of the good ones, right, using that with my asterisk, all of them can fit in. And wouldn't I rather feel them all? And for me, for a long time, I wanted to just feel the neutral ones. I want to be like good and kind and peaceful. That was where I was thinking I would stay. That seemed logical, right? That seemed safe. That seemed balanced. But it was only balanced because it was just staying right in the center, right? It wasn't engaging the seesaw. It was just staying at the fulcrum. And that is really not living. And the risk is, right, when we start to open that aperture, right, when we come open from that narrow space of just those neutral feelings, we're going to let them be classified there, it doesn't open one side only, right? It opens like the lens of a camera, right, in a cylindrical fashion, and the whole periphery starts to open. And so that means as we welcome in joy, some of that fear, anger, anxiety comes in too. And when we've been avoiding that, that can seem scary and maybe not even worth it. But if instead we say, oh, there's space for all of these, right? Rocks first, sand next, water, and even some pebbles, right? Maybe between the rocks and the sand could come in here. Okay. And that is actually the full human experience. And another way for my medical colleagues, and most of us think of this too, is looking at blood type. And here we do have positive and negative. So we'll stick with that classification for now. And that being positive allows you to be a universal receiver. And no judgment, right? If you're a negative blood type, this is not a judgment on that. It's just simply for the illustration purposes. Like AB positive, right? If you have all those components, which I always pictured when we studied this in schools, it was like this blood cell with all these sticky parts on the outside, right? And it could take all comers, right? It's like A positive, B positive, AB positive, you got negative, sure, whatever, come, I can handle all of it. There's room for all of you here. And in that, right, so beginning with the positive, then the the negative can come in and it's okay. There's no reaction. But in the negative space, and we think about, oh, negative, which is interesting, right? The universal donor, because it doesn't trigger any of those responses, fits in everywhere. But the positive can't come in, right? It reacts to that. It puts up its boundaries. So, so interesting, right? That this universal donor that is O negative, and we could think of that as the happiest blood cell because it didn't have all that kind of junky stuff on the outside. But at the same time, you think about it in the phrasing of emotions, right? That that negative emotion can fit into all those spaces. So you could be AB positive, right? We could think about that as the most joyous, fully embracing, receiving blood type, and it can take all of them. It can take the somewhat positives, right? The A's and the B positives. And we think about grading scales, right? You might think of them that way. It can take A negatives and B negatives. It can take the O negatives or O positives, right? It can take all of those. So there's room, right, within those positive frameworks to welcome the negative in and to not even react, right? To just assimilate and to integrate. Let's use that better because I don't want you to be lost in that space. And that the negative can go into all the situations and there's room for it. It has something to contribute, right? Oh, negative has saved countless lives. 
So there's not a problem with what we are currently calling negative emotions. They have their place. They can actually be our lifeline. They can alert us right, to what's happening. They can be our salvation when we're at our low points. So just notice that. While the positive space can allow you to receive, the negative space can actually be that source of sustenance, survival, and even thriving. And so as we look at all of this, looking at past expectations, current expectations, and the way we approach a positive experience, the way we feel like we might get stuck in the negative experience, and what it means to open to all feelings, all thoughts, all experiences, really, from that space of, oh, it all can be here, right? It can all contribute. It can all be part of the whole, of the health, as we're here for the health of all things. And so I encourage you to consider what might have been tripping you up, where you can realign intent and impact, where you can be informed by past experience, but not limited by it, and where you can live in the now with full capacity for all the feelings, knowing that the celebration of the moment and the disappointment are going to come and they're going to go and you get to be part of all of it. Thank you so much for your time, for your attention, for your contribution to the health of all things. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.